Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. What you will hear on this week's podcast was recorded live in the sanctuary at Park Avenue Baptist Church. Pastor Henra and myself, Pastor Darcy, after experiencing complications on our normal Zoom platform, worshiped together from six feet apart with masks and recorded what you will hear. We hope you enjoy it. Here you are. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Two of your pastors, live, in the same space. The Lord is here. Give you lemons, you make lemonade. That's what we're doing this morning. Exactly. It's good to see each and every one of you all this morning. You truly cannot stop the resurrection. You can't. You can't. And that's the sermon series that we're in right now. You can't stop the resurrection. So... Let's officially begin church. It's like 10 a.m. ish. We're close. We're, we're right on time right now. We're doing it. We're doing it. So my name is Darcy. I'm one of the pastors of Park Avenue Baptist Church. For those of you who are family, you know me. But for those of you who maybe are watching this later or are live streaming it for the first time, welcome. This is Park Avenue Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Darcy. I am affirmed by they, them pronouns. We're happy to have... Um, Pastor Henra preaching this morning, mm. thankfully and, and gracefully preaching. And so, you know, if you're watching on Facebook, maybe um, some of our security will get on there and interact with you via the Park Ave um, admin page. So we hope that that happens. You are more than welcome. We are so happy that you're here. Mm-hmm. We're in Easter Tide, like we said, we're in a sermon series that's called You Can't Stop the Resurrection. So Zoom can't stop the resurrection. COVID-19 can't stop the resurrection. We cannot be stopped. And Eastertide is a time where we look for the resurrection. We seek the resurrection. We are seeing and hearing and witnessing online so much tragedy in the world. People dying, black people being murdered that we need to seek out the resurrection so that we can find it and we can live into it because we are people of the resurrection. Amen. Okay. Amen. This narrative is so hard. 
this narrative of violence, police violence. It's too much for us. So let's come into worship together. Yeah, this morning, right. let's, let's start off this morning with a prayer. Uh, like I said, we're so happy to have you. Um, you know, things are not in order how we always want it to be, but God is still present. The spirit of the Lord is still here and we still have church to continue this morning with you. Amen. So let us bow Amen. our heads in prayer. Um, God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for allowing us to be in this space uh, to where your spirit will still work amongst us. Uh, open our eyes and open our ears this morning so that we may hear something special from you. May our time together not be in vain. Uh, may we hear something that allows us to interact with those amongst us outside of these four walls. Uh, we thank you for each and every person that is on this uh, live this morning with us. And we ask that everyone uh, who will join in later would be uh, a place of spirit, uh, would feel the spirit and love that we have here as we have this service this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. 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 Call to Worship is centered on this month, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. Both of us have been working hard to try to get that narrative out there mm -hmm. to try to end the stigma. So let's come to worship. During Mental Health Awareness Month, as every month, we answer the call of the God that asks us to love all of our neighbors as we love ourselves. And the response is, the one who is happy and the one who is sad. We celebrate the freedom that comes when we accept the love of Jesus and community with a full picture of our whole self. God calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. We repent of an empire-dominated Christian culture that has misrepresented and misinterpreted what it means to be whole and to be loved. It's right there. God calls us to have our neighbor love our neighbor as we love ourselves, the one who is marginalized and the one who is privileged. Come, let us worship God together. Amen. Amen. With a lot that's going on, um, especially in the world and what's happening lately uh, with the injustice that we see right here in Georgia, uh, we found a poem. Um, and we're going to do our centering down moment this morning, but I found a poem and I want to read it for you. And it's called Slow Justice. Uh, and centering down is a time, if you're um, just joining us for the first time, is a time that we take to um, declu declutter our minds, mm -hmm. um, a time of silence so we focus in on the spirit and what it's trying to do in this moment. Um, and oftentimes we read a poem. So the poem that we have this morning called Slow Justice. Is you, you want to go stanza for stanza? Uh, yeah. If you have the one. Yes. Okay. Slow Justice. It's better than no justice. I just want justice and peace. To feel justice, it must be real justice. No cut deals or just a piece. Full justice, not pull the wool justice. She's already been blindfolded enough. We accuse justice, but to lose justice is to unlock chaos's puff. A cry for justice, legal justice, be equal justice with rules to balance it out. Honest justice, promised justice is right for the poor and oppressed. But even rich justice shouldn't be flawed justice, but free to all everywhere. 
should should be a standard, a silver process, raw justice, shouldn't be flaw justice, but free to all everywhere. The power of justice is that the honor of justice and seek justice and speak justice and be a worthy defender, word warrior. Men must court justice and support justice to qualify for her, your honor. Some have buried justice, some have spurred justice in the lies that have been sworn. Oh, sweet justice, don't beat justice. We are in races, but we shouldn't have to fight. The whole world needs to get it right. Then true justice and overdue justice will be the law in every land in life. Without justice, you can't count justice's tears rolling down in strife. The hope of justice and the scope of justice is that justice answers to God. The mercy of justice and the courtesy of justice will be the final pledge, bargain, Lord, the sound of justice profound to us in juries. They've sung her song or tried. I wish justice, slow justice, is better than no justice. Amen. Amen. Our scripture this morning, if you if you just want to go on and go yeah, into that. Move into it. What fuck we have here. Do you want me to read it? Or you yeah, let's read, read that for me. Yeah. Okay. So, you want to just talk about it? I'll okay. So if you're just joining us, um, Zoom is having issues this morning. Uh, we were not able to uh, do our meeting this morning, our normal church service, and what we've gone to in, during this time. And we've decided just to, hey, we're both here. We're going to jump on Facebook Live. Uh, you can't stop the resurrection. There's a sermon to be told. There's a scripture to be read. There's a prayer to be prayed. So we thank you for joining us this morning on Facebook Live. Uh, our scripture is going to be read this morning coming from Acts. And Darcy's going to help us read that this morning. And then we'll go right into it. Um, there is a word from God this morning. Let us read our scripture. There is. Acts 17, 16-31. While Paul waited for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to find the city flooded with idols. He began to interact with Gentile God worshipers and Jewish people in the synagogue. He also addressed whoever happened to be in the marketplace each day. Certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers engaged him in discussion too. Some said, what an amateur, what's he trying to say? Others remarked, he seemed to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. They said this because he was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him into custody and brought him to the council on Mars Hill. What is this new teaching? Can we learn what you are talking about? You've told us some strange things and we want to know what you mean. They said this because all Athenians as well as foreigners who live in Athens used to spend their time doing nothing but talking about or listening to the newest thing. Paul stood up in the middle of the council on Mars Hill and said, people of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. As I was walking through the town and carefully observing your objects of worship, I even found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. What you worship as unknown, I now proclaim to you. God was made the nor does God served by human hands as though God needed something since God is the one who gives the life breath and everything else 
From one person, God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed time and the boundaries of their lands. God made the nations so that they would seek God, perhaps even reach out to God and find God. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. God, we live in God, move and exist in God. Some of your own poets said we are God's offspring. Therefore, as God's offspring, we have no need to imagine that the divine being is like a gold or silver or stone image made by human hands and thought. God overlooks the ignorance of all things in times past, but now directs everyone everywhere to change their hearts and lives. This is because God has set what God intends to judge the world justly. By a man, God has appointed. God has given proof of this every, but to everyone by raising him from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, let me plug this in. And they could hear me with this plug in. No, we'll just, just go without close. You got it. Yeah, we'll go without it. I'll we'll go without it. So thank you once again. We are having all kinds of issues this morning. If it's not Zoom, it's Facebook Live. But as I say, we're going to keep going and keep going. We'll get this to you regardless if this cuts out in the middle of it or not. We'll get it to you, and then we can uh, post it online, and you can uh, take a look at it later on. But there is a, a, a word to be given. Um, if you just joining us, we're coming from Acts 17. Uh, we're talking about Paul um, this morning. And if you're with a neighbor or a friend, a spouse, whomever you're with this morning, with your children, uh, turn to them and I always like titles. I'm a title person. So turn to them and say, what will we say? What must we do? What will we say? What must we do? What will we say? What must we do? In August of 1963, our very own Atlanta native, Martin Luther King Jr. gave in response to the bigotry and the racism that plagued America, a 17 minute message about a dream that he had. And at this March on Washington, over 250,000 people waited to hear something that would force America to look in the mirror, to finally admit its faults and start bending that arrow back towards justice and human equality. Now we all know the words of Martin having a dream of a new normal. And even though it's been over 60 years, we can still say that this dream of equality is still not the normalcy in which we see today. The normalcy of economic equality, human equality, justice in our unjust legal system. The normalcy of politics over people is still alive and well. Martin dreamed of a new normal where character outweighed the stigma of color and racism. On that day, his words had substance. It had an impact. It was bold in nature. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is that after any tragedy, um, after any event, as we say today, goes viral, um, if something happens that affect a number of people, whether it's a tragedy like 9-11, a mass shooting, a unjustified death like Ahmad, uh, whether it's a death of someone deemed important like Kobe Bryant mm -hmm. uh, or something happens to change the way society interacts with one another or changes how we live, a.k.a. COVID-19. Mm -hmm. 
After any of these events, in the midst of these tragedies and happenings, most often we look for our leaders to make a statement, a statement of support, a statement to come the masses to ensure us that everything is going to be all right. In many of the cases, if it's on television, they call it breaking news. Uh, in this age, you know, most statements, most speeches are made by way of IG and Twitter and Facebook, whatever the source is. We expect something to be said by these designated people, by our leaders. And depending on the person and the magnitude of the moment, we sometimes even expect a speech. Most times it's the president. <laughs> which I would personally say I, I don't like hearing president right now, but that's another topic. Uh, or it's some other leader whose voice can reach the masses. It, maybe it's a celebrity. Maybe it's a pastor, the mayor, or the governor, or a public figure like our formal president. But no matter the title, we look for a orator whose importance, whose style, whose substance will have an impact. It has been like this ever since leaders were born people who were not afraid to respond, people who the masses expected to respond. And I'm reminded of a few this morning throughout history uh, where there was a required speech where they, the people needed to hear something that had substance, that would make an impact that was bold. One of the first speeches I've ever read was one by Frederick Douglass. And most of you should know him. He's one of the more common black folks that we learn about in elementary school, this black icon, Frederick Douglass, along with the other icons that we learn about. But he gave a speech in which he was invited to give on July 5th, 1852. It was in New York and it was titled, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? See, Frederick Douglass was a former slave himself, and he had become popular speaking in the anti-slavery movement. He traveled thousands of miles every year giving speeches, and New York expected to be electrified and entertained by Douglass when they asked him to speak. They thought he was going to talk about the importance of Independence Day. But soon they were disemboweled of that idea. Douglas took the opportunity to boldly point out the hypocrisy of a nation celebrating the ideas of freedom and equality while at the same time being bathed in the evil of slavery. As we would say today, he read them for filth, called them out on their bigotry. And in the midst of the crowd on the 4th of July, Independence Day, he said these words. I am not included within the pale of your glorious anniversary. Your high independence only revels the immeasurable distance between us. The blessing in which you this day rejoice is not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice and liberty and prosperity and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. Simply put, in front of all of these people on the fourth of July, he said that this Independence Day that you're celebrating is not mine to celebrate, but it's yours. His words had substance. They made an impact. They were bold in nature. Another moment in history, and we'll get to Paul, was when Abraham Lincoln gave 
a statement after the Battle of Gettysburg, 1863. Now, if any of you all know me, uh, if you know me, know me, you know I'm sort of a nerd when it comes to the Civil War. Um, as a young man, I read all the books I could get my hand on. And this Battle of Gettysburg in 1863 was one of the major battles at that time. It was basically right dab in the middle of the Civil War. And the whole country was waiting for a response because so many people had lost their lives. He said these words, that the living can honor the wartime dead, not with speech, but perhaps by continuing to fight for the ideas of which they had given their lives for. See, people need to hear something after that battle. Thousands had lost their lives. They needed a word of encouragement, of support, words that could move them forward in a new era of human equality. To remind them that this is what it's all for. No longer can America be divided when it comes to human equality. His words had substance. They had impact. They were bold in nature. So that is the reason for our question this morning. With all that is happening around us and in our personal lives, the question is, what will we as Christians, as offsprings of God Almighty, what will we say to those in these changing times? What will we say to ourselves on days when we feel like giving up? What will we say to others? What must we do in this time? Will our words have substance? Will it make an impact? Will it be bold? So let's look at Paul this morning. What is it about Paul that we should admire in Acts chapter 17? What about the journey should we adapt into our own? Let's dive in and see if you have your Bibles at home. Go to Acts 17. We're going to go through this this morning. For me, Paul in Acts is what I call, he's on a Lord of the Rings journey. He's the hobbit with the ring. Because he is determined within his mission. He feels he's called to this work. He is focused on telling all who knows, friend, stranger, or foe about a man named Jesus, the man that he encountered on the road. And he is willing to give it up at all costs, even at the cost of his health. He is welcome in the towns, and in, in other towns he is chased out as if he is a card-playing swindler who has just taken all of the saloon patriots' money. I love Western, so I had to put that in there. <laughs> he is talked about, he is threatened, and even at times he is thrown in jail. But even with all of this, his journey continues. Mm -hmm. A special kind of hobbit was Paul. <laughs> and along the way, he meets people and he sparks a fire in them with this message of Christ's resurrection and Silas and Timothy, they find that spark. And they too commit to the same calling as he, and they too start telling everybody about Christ. So in Acts 17, the journey continues. Let's connect the dots with Paul this morning. Paul, in this, this morning in Acts 17, where we find ourselves, is fleeing Berene and Thessalonica to the city of Athens. He has departed because his life is in danger, but this danger does not make him change his approach. I'm going to say that one more time. This danger did not make him change his approach. When he arrived in Athens, he was just been ran out of one town, 
Because those in high places didn't agree with his message. It gave the people too much freedom, too much ownership to go against the powers that be, the status quo, the empire. And now he is in Athens. He finds himself amongst a city covered with idols, the Bible tells us. Covered with idols. One ancient writer stated that it was easier to find a god in Athens than it was to find a man. It was full of idols. It was the Las Vegas of ancient times. And this was the city that he was attempting to preach the good news to. So for some, and maybe even for myself, this would have gave me some level of fear. Pause. Made me do a about face. But for Paul and friends, this stirred their spirits. They realized that the idols, that the false gods, that these statues with all of their beauty and glamour had placed a wall between the people of Athens and the one true God. Paul just ran out of town. Paul goes into the lion's den again. In the face of danger, he goes to the synagogue. Then he goes to the, mar the marketplace. He goes to the place of public concourse and the word tells us that daily he met with them. Day after day, he met with the Epicureans. These were the Asiatic materialistic sectors of society. He went to the Stoics. These were the ones that believed and taught virtue that the highest good is based on knowledge and wisdom and what you can learn through a book. He went to them who, would, who wouldn't listen. He went to those who were hostile to the world. He went to those who did not believe as he did. And what is this telling us in this day? What is it telling us now? What will we say? What must we do? And he talked so much that the word tells us they asked the question, what is it that this babbler is trying to say? It's like he wore them out to where they had to listen to him. Maybe we should take that on ourselves. Maybe there's telling us this morning, one, first point, don't stop talking, right? And then two, it tells us this morning that in spite of the times where fear lives, in spite of the hostile pushback that we may feel and receive, we who are the offspring of God must continue to preach the good news, to approach uh, that doesn't change in time. We should lead with love and we should end our conversations with love. That is our approach. Nothing should stop us from loving, living like God's love because in God's love, there is the pursuit and the way to bring about justice and human equality, peace, community, and love. In love, we should protest. In love, we should voice our dismay for our justice system. It's in love that we fight for our rights. We should call anyone out, whether it be friend, family, a foe, pastor, a politician, government official, state or federal level. Let them know that if your love, if your laws and your policies don't reflect God's love, then there's something wrong with it. It needs to be changed. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today it needs to be changed. What will we say? What must we do? We can't be quiet. That's for sure. That's why Paul went to the streets and not just to the temple, but he went to the streets to all who would listen. His words had substance. They had an impact. They were bold in nature. 
And because of his words, because of his bold action, the words tells us, if you're following me, that they took him to the high courts. There was a hill where the judge of judges passed sentence on the greatest criminals. And at the same time, they attempted to answer the gravest questions surrounding religion. No place in Athens was more suitable for the conversation they were about to have. This was like a modern day Capitol Hill. They were ready to listen though, to examine the words of what he had to say. And, and, and this is a side sermon, but, but isn't it just amazing how when you're in your purpose, when God has a calling on your life and you're consistent in your walk with Christ and, and what your calling is, it is amazing how God can put you in spaces amongst people that you never thought you would be amongst. Put you in positions that allow you to use your voice in places where you nor those around you will have imagined you to ever be. That's a sermon. I'm not going to preach all of that one this morning. Places where you can really make change happen. That's where Paul found himself this morning. God placed him in front of the right folks to where change could happen. So they were kicking their heels. They were waiting for Paul to speak. And the Bible tells us this morning, this is what they spent their time doing all day. Nothing but listening to new ideas, trying to find out the next hot topic. And Paul did come with the next hot topic. So Paul starts his, his speech. And first he gives an overview of his stroll throughout town. Can't you see Paul talking? And I imagine him in the middle of the crowd and there's a balcony and it's these old men with white robes on. They're eating fruits and grapes. You know how they do in the movies. Uh, I imagine Paul standing in the middle of them and just looking around and all of these important people are listening, waiting to hear what he had to say. And then Paul sits there and say, hey, I walked through your town and I observed all of the sights. I've looked around and I see the glamour and the beautiful artwork of these so-called unknown gods. And it is quite impressive. I mean, the glamour of it all, it looks amazing. I must say, I've never seen anything like this before. Stunning to say the least. Mm. Can't you hear Paul talking? <laughs> but I have come with good news for every and every one of you about this unknown God. The God who made the world and everything in it, who is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in your shrines made by human hands, mm. nor is God served by your artwork as if God needed it. God gave his, us life and breath and all the things. And these statues, yeah, they look good, but they have no substance, no value. One ancestor, Paul goes on to speak and says, from one ancestor, God's made, God made all of the nations to inhabit all the earth. And God allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of their place. And on top of all of that, God, the one true God, is not far from any one of us. Not even you. Not even you. For we too, as your poets say, we too are the offspring of God. Paul's words here had substance. It made an impact. It was bold for him to say these things. It informed the uninformed of a new way forward. 
introduced them to Christ and the sacrifice made, told them about the reason for the season. And in his speech, if you notice, Paul used their own words to connect with them. Let's go back. It says that even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. So the question is, again, what will we say? What must we do? Well, one, I told you we must be consistent about our message. We must not stop talking about the message of love. But even in the midst of this change, we are still needing to invoke change. So what Paul is telling us to do this morning is let's try to make a connection with our words and with our language. We have to use the language so that people can understand. When speaking to people and when you're trying to get to know them and reach them, I learned a long time ago that you be able, you have to be able to switch. Yeah, make it plain. Make it plain. You have to be able to speak with people on their level, and sometimes you have to change how you talk in order for them to hear you. Paul used their own words against them. Even Paul said it in Romans, said, I, I become whatever I need to become so that I may reach someone. And on a larger scale, if you're going to make change happen in your own government, then let's use their words that they prescribe with about their justice system. If America says that all are created equal and that all are protected under the law, then why does the flower not bloom through the dirt and mud of racism and classism for all to Say experience? That. Say that. If this is the land of the brave and the free, a land built by immigrants, then why does our country, why do our country not allow them in? Mm -hmm. Depending on where you're from though, right? Mm. If we are to believe that we, the people of the United States of America, in order to become a more perfect union, to establish justice, to ensure domestic tranquility, mm. provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessing of liberty to ourselves and prosperity, then why is there such a gap mm. between the words of human and equality? Why? why is there such a gap between the words black and lives matter? Mm. What will we say? What must we do? Well, Keep talking until someone hears us. Vote as if your life depends on it. Pray as if your soul depends on it. Love like our hearts need blood to pump for it. Give as if in every part of your life you are abundant. Don't just preach the good news, but live the good news. If nothing else matters, in the midst of all of what's going on, we should at least act just. Love, mercy, and walk humbly with God. This has substance. This will have an impact. This is bold in nature. And in your personal life, what will we say? What will we do when we feel like giving up? When we feel like we had enough? Simply, pastor, ask the question, what will we say? What will we do? We will speak life over ourselves. In the midst of change, we'll speak life over ourselves. Yes, I've lost my job, but I'm going to speak life. Yes, that relationship didn't work out, but in the midst of all of that, I'm still going to speak life. Yeah, I put all my eggs in that basket and it didn't work right. So what? Speak life over yourself. Yeah, I heard the doctor say it looked bad, but no matter what, speak life. You're speaking life, Pastor. What will we say? What will we do? We will speak life. 
Because when you speak life in the face of the unknown, that's faith. Your faith will have substance. Mm. It will have an impact on your life. And it will be bold in nature. Mm. May you be blessed. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God that created you loves you. And empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively. Thank you.